Welcome to X-Rated Movies! I'm one half of your hosting team, Matthew Fisher. I'm the other half of your hosting team, Ryan Whedon. And we are two guys who used to date, and now we don't. Now, we just talk about movies and our dreams. <laughs> <laughs> like, hopes and dreams, or are we going to be, like, boring and talk about, like, our nighttime dreams? Mm, the latter. <laughs> God, yeah. See, this is Can you put in the sound effect of like me walking out the door and like closing the door behind me and then like driving off into the, the distance? I'm gonna I'm gonna gamble here. I think the human population is about split fifty fifty on people who like to hear about other people's dreams and people who don't. So I'm just gonna roll the dice on this one. Ooh, I'd like to see your five thirty eight style statistics on that because <laughs> I feel like it, it's a twenty to one shot at best. Oh yeah, yeah. You're in the obviously in the category of I don't like to hear about your dreams. All right, f- question about your dream before you start on it. Okay. Do you do any weird sexual stuff in your dream? Vaguely. Not interested. <laughs> Snooze fast. I guess you're sleeping during this, so. Yeah, exactly. All right. I'm GGG for this. Lay it on me. I had a weird dream the other night where, um, have you ever heard of Adam Ellis? No. He's a graphic designer slash illustrator. You've probably seen his work. I follow him on Instagram. It's a lot of fun. But he last year did a whole Twitter thing where his place was haunted. And I think he still to this day says that it's real. But I think it's just clever storytelling. Either way, it doesn't matter. Just check it out. Just got optioned to be a movie. But anyway, he was in my dream where I was at a big party and it was a garden party. (laughs) So, And he was there and he was wearing pretty short shorts. And uh, I went over and sat next to him, and I I was dubious as to whether or not it was him. But I put my hand on his shorts, and he had a a tattoo on his thigh. And that's how I knew it was him, because it was of a cereal spokesperson. Um, Captain Crunch? No, the name of the cereal was called Cinnamon Squirrels, and it was a squirrel. (laughs) That's it. The end. Oh, I was waiting for it to get to the interesting part. (laughs) No, my my brain came up with a you know a new cereal and a pun. What flavor is cinnamon squirrel? It's cinnamon. Okay, it's like cinnamon toast crunch, but they're in the shape of squirrels, and the tail is like a cinnamon swirl. Oh, cute. So yeah, I feel like there's a life for that in cookies, but not cereal. Yeah. Well, I feel like cinnamon toast crunch has that market cornered. You don't think that we like cinnamon squirrels could take on cinnamon toast crunch? Well, I would say starting another racket. The food market is pretty easy to break into. There's constant competition in that. It's a low barrier to entry, if mm-hmm, you will. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. if you can market yourself well enough and get a brand name out there, I, I then I would say maybe go into the cereal market, which has a lot more brand name recognition power. See, well, this is why I actually wanted to put this on the podcast is because Adam Ellis is an illustrator. So I'm hoping that he'll want to illustrate what these cinnamon squirrels look like. I say until he gets a tattoo of it, like you're gonna be SOL on on your. By the way, I'm sorry I was creepy in my in my own dream about touching the thigh, but um, you didn't get consent on thigh touching. I didn't. No. Well, you know, we've all had moments of weaknesses. I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, what's the worst that could happen? You'll be Supreme Court justice in no time. <laughs> it was my fucking dream. I can touch who I want. It's true. It's true. Unless there's new dream consent that I haven't heard about. <laughs> Have you ever had a dream where like you're making out with somebody and then you see them the next day IRL and it's awkward for you, but not for them? <laughs> That's happened to me before. 
Uh, I mean, I have had that dream, but no, it's never been awkward. (laughs) You're just like, Mm. I just wink at them and they're like, "Mm, that was strange. (laughs) So it's awkward for them, just not for you. Yeah, that you know, they get that bouquet of flowers that says thanks for last night and they're like, I didn't see you for a week. (laughs) Who is this? (laughs) Cease and desist. Yeah, I don't know. I'm a fan of hearing about people's dreams, though. I like. Are you really? Yeah. Here I have, like, I've been holding back my own dreams because I feel like everyone's bored by them. I'm not. I love hearing people's weird dreams. Well, okay. Duly noted. (laughs) Next time I have a strange dream, uh, you'll be the first to know. Maybe it'll be a new segment on the podcast. (laughs) Dream talking. Dream talking. With Ryan and Matt. (laughs) I'll, I'll make a new drop for it, <laughs> or maybe some like uh, some fun uh, music bed. All right, for... no call-ins though. I don't want to hear about anyone else's dreams. <laughs> yeah, once we get a phone number for the podcast, just call in, tell us your dream. We'll read it aloud on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, could actually be a segment for a show where someone types out their dream, but like puts no punctuation uh-huh. in like their description of it, like all punctuations removed, and then. You're given it, and you have to read it without having to read it first. Just, like, go and... Figure it out. <laughs> yeah, figure it out <laughs> as you're reading it. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that being a, a segment on, on some shit. Mm-hmm. Man, you gotta copyright this. Yeah. Note to self. <laughs> All ideas. <laughs> copyright X-rated movies, 2018. There was a comic uh, that I used to really love called Slow Wave. I don't know if you've heard of this, but it was, like, people would write in their dreams to this guy, and he would draw them as, like, a comic strip. Mm. And I wonder, I don't even know if it's still around, but, or who the guy was, which is a shame. I'm sorry. But, uh, that, that shit's my, that's my jam. Is that why you're such a David Lynch fan? Cause like all his movies are just like, I had a dream <laughs> <laughs> last night. I dreamed that a naked woman was crying <laughs> and she held up a blue tomato <laughs> So I made a movie about it. <laughs> Man, we're good David Lynch impersonators. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, speaking of waking nightmares... <laughs> Yeah, so the movie that uh, from this week has to do with ooze and secrets and all that good stuff. It's uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze. Matt, we've watched a lot of bad movies for this podcast. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm willing to admit that a lot of them were my choices. Mm-hmm. This is probably the first movie that I've sat through for the podcast that I hated. Oh, really? It was really hard this was not worse than rock and rule you cannot (laughs) say that i don't know this one kind of veered into batman and robin territory for me where i was like i just felt the shaving of my life (laughs) going away (laughs) every now and again not often but for the podcast there's sometimes where i'm like i i can't even like sit back and watch the movie i have to like sit on the edge of my seat and like lean forward yeah. and just be like, I got to watch this movie. I, I got to get through it. I, I, just, I have to watch it. And at least with this one, 
I could watch it. Okay. <laughs> I was squirming a lot. Just like cringing squirming quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have a few positive things I can say about it. Okay, let's start with the pros. <laughs> okay. I think the production design was really good. <laughs> I really liked the font in the credits. <laughs> The uh the their hidden lair the subway the subway was really cool. I would love to live there actually. Yeah, it was nice. The actual it was cool. They did little details like when they're actually inside the subway car. It had like old timey ads at the top, which were really mm, cool. Mm-hmm. Like stuff like that. I was like, well done. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the stuff the Jim Henson Creature Shop did was pretty cool. Like Splinter looks great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like their suits look good. And uh, Toka and Razier. Re- Razar, Toke One, and Brazier, uh, <laughs> they look pretty good too. Well, because I was thinking about that, like, I feel like the tall order to make these like head to toe bodysuits that can move their mouths, and the lip syncing is not terrible. Like, I I thought it'd be worse than it was. Yeah, that's all radio controlled like robotics too. That, that's pretty good. Yeah, for being like at a distance, that's pretty good. But really, honestly, the the fight sequences in this, while not stellar, were kind of better than some modern action movies that I've seen. I was impressed in the amount of mobility they got out of those turtle suits. Right, because those suits, which have to be bulky, also have to be mobile enough to actually fight in them. Yeah. They do backflips in them. Yeah. <laughs> a couple times in the movie. That's impressive. That's that. I mean, <laughs> that's about the end of the list. Uh, I, have, I have a lot of cons. <laughs> uh, did, so did you grow up watching Ninja Turtles? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually watched the first one not too long ago. Yeah. You mentioned that to me. I don't remember if that was on pot or off. Pod, yeah. But... And it wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. It's still not great. I definitely watched the first one in preparation for this as well. Yeah. Oh, so you know. Well, I didn't want to be just totally lost when I watched the second one. <laughs> I need to put it in context. I see. I feel like in the first one, they really focused on the teenage aspects of them. And in this one, they focused more on the mutant aspects of them. Sure. Which makes sense. Yeah. And I don't know if in the third one, they, they focus on the ninja part. But uh, it well, they, would, they one do would go think... back in time to like feudal Japan. For the third one? Yeah. Oh, then that's the ninja. Yeah. See? And then if they did a fourth one, they'd have to focus on the reptilian part. Yeah. (laughs) That'd be like the underwater level in the old NES video game. Yeah. Where they had to like defuse the bombs. That one was so hard. Oh, I always died in that one. Because like that that, that has like oxygen shit in it. Mm -hmm. See, there were a lot of different Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle video games. Like there was the the one for the original NES, but then there was also, do you remember there was an arcade version where you could play as the four of them Mm -hmm. at the same time and it was a side scroller fighting thing? That game was awesome. Mm Mm-hmm. Who'd you play as most of the time? I was always a fan of Leonardo growing mm-hmm, up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I was like swords, which in the movies, he never uses the swords. Yeah. Because like in the cartoon or the video game, like all the things that you kill are like secretly robots. Like mm-hmm. I remember in the cartoon, it was like the Foot Clan would come at him and they'd kill the Foot Clan. It's like, these were all robots. And yeah. in the movies, it, like even in like the opening action scene, it's like Leonardo's like chopping at the one guy and he, he ducks. He chops at him. He ducks. Yeah. And then he like does a fake out and like pretends to chop and the guy ducks and then he just kicks him. Yeah. Uh, I was like, the only thing that he actually uses the swords for is when he throws them into the ceiling and like uses them to pull himself up. Yeah. And like kick the other foot clam. They people. don't really use the weapons in this movie. Donatello uses his bow constantly. 
Yeah, but I mean, it's a bow. Yeah, it's a, it's a big stick. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> By the way, I was always Donatello in the arcade game because oh, yeah? I liked that long reach. Oh, yeah? yeah. You like that strangely phallic symbol? I like to stab. <laughs> <laughs> I like to stab. <laughs> But on the cartoon, I was uh, always a big fan of Raphael for some reason. Because he was moody? Well, he wasn't in the cartoon. He was fun. Oh, was he not in the yeah. cartoon? In the movies, he's super, yeah. super moody. And that's what I mean. Like in the first one, they're focusing on the teenage aspect because he's just like a bitchy little teenager. Yeah, he really is. And I thought they were going to make that a thing in this one, too, where like he's going to learn some lesson about like, oh, teamwork's the way to go, which I think was something in the first one, right? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, but like that doesn't happen. No. I mean, he is moodier than the other three. For sure. Definitely. Because he's the one who goes out on his own and like ends up like getting kidnapped or, or taken hostage, I should say. Yeah. Which, bad plan. Which also happens in the first one. Is right. Like, he goes solo and gets beaten up by the Foot Clan. This movie came out a year after the first one. You got to make that money. Yeah. They must have like had opening weekend on the first one and saw like this made a ton of money. Let's do it. Like green light. Number two. Don't even get out of the turtle costumes. Let's just keep filming. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Why not? Get those turtle costumes before they start decomposing. Yeah. Foam rubber. Latex rubber. Doesn't stick around. They did replace April O'Neil though. Maybe she decomposed. Yeah. She was terrible, whoever April was in this movie. I was like, God, she's just bad. So, all right, I'm just going to be super duper sexist for a second. The April O'Neil in the first movie was not a babe in a traditional sense. <laughs> uh-huh. She looked like someone who actually like cared about reporting and journalism and, you know, was like attractive in like working class sort of mm, way. So, NPR. <laughs> Fun fact... The original April O'Neil was played by Nina Totenberg. (laughs) (laughs) And in the second one, they definitely upgraded the uh, traditional beauty sense, Uh but downgraded the actability and like the believability. (laughs) I mean, you could believe that she was like, you know, a weather girl or uh, she was a Vanna White type in, in... Secret she does news. everything at this news agency. She's like re- on the scene reporting. She does like editorials. At one point, it looks like she's the anchor even. Like, yeah. God, she's just the face of that station. Well, she upgraded apartments. In the first one, she was living above like a rinky dink uh, antique store. Oh. And in this one, she has that beautiful like two story loft yeah, or whatever it was. Huge. So she's making that money this time around. <laughs> I did have trouble believing she's a hard hitting reporter, though. Yeah, because she kind of lets that uh, professor guy, uh, David Warner's character, I don't remember uh, what the character's name is, but the scientist, the Mm -hmm. main scientist in the movie. Who I know best from Star Trek The Next Generation. As? Gull Madred. He's the one who tortures uh, Jean-Luc Picard when he's, uh, he's, he plays the Cardassian who like makes him go, there are four lights. David Warner is a, a big character actor. He's been in lots and lots of stuff throughout the years, like... He's been in small shit like this to like big things like he's in Titanic even. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah. You'd recognize him if you saw him. He's in lots and lots of stuff. Yeah, if you watched anything in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, she kind of lets him off the hook pretty easy. He does the like, oh, look at the time. I got to <laughs> go. And she's like, okay, see ya. Yeah. She's like, oh, rats. I could have had a scoop. <laughs> oh, splinters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like, she, I don't know. She's, she's not great with her boss either. That scene the whole time I was just thinking like, what would it be like to be an extra in this scene where you're like, 
just having to be busy in the back of the newsroom and she's the star that comes out and you're like, who's that? <laughs> what movie am I in? What am I doing with my life? <laughs> Where's my paycheck? I'm going to go, <laughs> I'm going to go back to nursing school. This is terrible. So in the Tremors episode, I talked about how with these movies from my childhood, uh-huh. I don't need to take any notes. Sure. Like I watch the movies and my brain just fills up with thoughts and they stay there until like we talk about it and it's all released. Yeah. This was not the case. <laughs> I watched this movie twice in preparation for the podcast. And the first time, yikes! like five, ten minutes into it, I was like, I need to start taking some notes. <laughs> I don't know what I want to say about this. And really, my first note on this, or one of the first notes, is we have that Asian pizza delivery guy yeah. at the Kino. very beginning. Kino. Which is also a gambling game in uh, oh. Las Vegas. And he's like, which one of you lucky girls gets a ride with me tonight? Dream on, dweeb. Yeah, okay. But when I do, I'll dream of something a little thinner. (laughs) It's totally that shitty dude thing where it's like, you hit on a girl, she rejects you. It's like, well, you're ugly anyway. I'm like, oh, man, no wonder our generation has so many problems. (laughs) And he's supposed to be likable. Yeah. (laughs) He's supposed to be like one of the underdogs in the movie. Uh, there's also that scene when he like figures out that the turtles are probably at April's apartment and he just like barges in. I didn't order any pizza. Oh, I know. But the guy in 313 did and now he doesn't seem to be there. He's like touching stuff in her apartment and it's like, why is she putting up with this? Isn't he like a teenager? What the fuck? Yeah. He's kind of an ass. Yeah. <laughs> Watching it in like this period of time when we're currently the yeah, present the present i was like oh he's terrible <laughs> like yeah i know that he's supposed to be like a lovable scamp but like now i just kind of see him as like a chauvinist asshole like a young entitled prick like yeah. that's the way that i look at him now apparently he was the um stunt guy for donatello in the first movie and the director Corey feldman's voice is stunt double right <laughs> And he was uh, good enough, and they liked the cut of his jib enough that they're like, let's make him a character in the second one. I like the cut of your jib. Let's make you a sexist asshole in the yeah. new movie. <laughs> <laughs> let's turn you into a character. I will say his uh, his martial arts skills were the best of everybody in the movie. Like, yeah, he can actually fight. He's got some moves. But, like, don't give him lines. <laughs> He's a jerk. What was with that hair? Oh, you always have a problem with hair. You didn't like Kevin Bacon's hair. You don't like Kino's hair. They're kind of the same hair. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> you got something against like long feathery mullets? Yeah. <laughs> I guess I do. Uh, so I have a question for you. Okay. I don't know if you'll be able to answer this. I watched both movies over the weekend and you know, some time has passed since you saw the original. But what's the span of time between the two movies? Yeah, good question. Because the turtles talk about how the Foot Clan have all been locked up and put in jail, and it's essentially like they've been able to dismantle that whole operation. Right. But Shredder awakens out of the garbage. Like, what's that, like, two, three days max before you die of dehydration? That was the impression I got watching this was like, this just happens immediately after the first one. But they do say that they've taken out the Foot Clan in that time. But... The Foot Clan's alive and well in this movie. Well, is it, though? I mean, they're recruiting, but, like... Yeah, they're still recruiting, but, yeah, my question is, like, 
How can they have all gone to jail, gone through like the full due process and been sent to jail and the organization itself has been properly dismantled? But really, if he's if Splinter's you mean Shredder, it's like raising himself like from the, you know, quote unquote dead out of the garbage. Like that's like what? Three days max. Yeah. And also like New Yorkers make a lot of trash. They have trash pickup every day in New York. Maybe he was working his way through all that trash. It just took that long to get to the top of it. Was he drinking trash water for sustenance? Yep. (laughs) The rain water that came and seeped through, he was able to uh, capture in his mouth and uh, survive on that. Wow. I'm sure there's some sort of like uh, algorithm for like how much trash he could climb through in a day versus how much trash was piled on him that yeah. like would make a year long span that he could survive and like feast off trash and then like at that exact point climb out of the trash. Yeah. This was before composting too, so people were just throwing food in there. So he was probably getting and you know, like working in the restaurant industry, we throw away a lot of food as Americans. <laughs> um so they were probably just tossing it all in the same garbage. So he was just getting food that way. I would like to see a Kill Bill Volume Two like montage of Splinter Shredder having like a deep reflection period and like awaking out of it and then like climbing yeah. to his way to the top. This is totally like comics material, right? Like there's a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comics. Like this would be a great one off, just like Splinter Shredder crawling through the garbage thinking of nothing but revenge reflecting on his past and what like led him to this point yeah. in his life start at the end of the first movie and then end when he raises his hand out in the beginning of the second movie yeah but only focusing on shredder <laughs> copyright 2018 x-rated <laughs> movies <laughs> adam ellis if you're interested <laughs> so do you think there was a pizza bubble like a an economic pizza <laughs> bubble Everyone was eating pizza in this movie. Well, I mean, in the movie, there definitely was. But do you think in real life, it actually, like, spiked pizza sales like this movie? I don't know about that. I I know that, like, me and everyone I knew in the 80s, like, growing up, pizza was the thing. Yeah. Like, pizza was such a thing. Is pizza still a thing? You still eat pizza. I mean, I love pizza. Yeah. But I grew up eating it. How do millennials feel about pizza? <laughs> is that another industry they're killing? <laughs> no, everyone at the beginning of the movie is definitely eating pizza, but I was also wondering just IRL. Did I, people eat more pizza because like it was just on their mind while watching this movie perhaps or while hmm. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were just a force in popular culture? I mean, I imagine there was probably a pizza spike because of uh, the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Sure. Okay. I'm sure there was at least some kind of tie-in with some pizza restaurant for this movie. Yeah, they display, like, the Domino's logo pretty heavily in the first movie, in the I first think. one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, next question. Do you remember, I'm sure I could have Googled this, in either the video games, either the NES game or the arcade game, was pizza a way to get life? Yes. It in was the first it? one, it was definitely because okay. you could get a slice or you could get a whole pie, which would restore all your energy. Oh, And okay. those were a lot more rare. Because while watching this, I was like, you know, if I designed a video game, pizza would be life. But mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? That's low-hanging fruit. They probably did that in the video games. Yeah. That game was hard. Yeah. I always remember the water level freaked me out. And maybe it's because of this game where I already had it while playing this game. I have like an irrational fear of drowning. Like, I'm a fine swimmer, mm-hmm. and, like, I'll swim 
normally. But when I see like a movie, like Mission Impossible Five, when he has to like do the doohickey thingy underwater and he's only got like 45 seconds before like his oxygen runs out. Like that gives me anxiety. Mm. And so in the Ninja Turtles game, when like you had to swim around and like you had to get oxygen, like that freaked me out. Uh, same with like Mario brothers. Like when yeah. you have to like get like the air bubbles mm-hmm. to like get more oxygen, like getting that oxygen always panicked me. How do you feel about the movie? The abyss? Uh, well, you have water that you can breathe like oxygen, so all is That's okay. relieved. Maybe you should just constantly have one of those like liquid oxygen suits on, and then you'll never have to worry about drowning because <laughs> you're already drowned in super-saturated uh, oxygen solution. I'll take my chances here on dry land, thank you. All right. One thing I remember super specifically from watching this as a kid, so when the turtles are cleaning April O'Neil's apartment because yeah. they're all slobs, uh, Donatello kisses the mop. Yeah! And I thought that was the funniest fucking thing in the world <laughs> as a child. How about now? Well, now, no. <laughs> but I also remember as a kid, my parents telling me, never do that because mops are disgusting. <laughs> he had a double-ended mop. Yeah. He probably just put two mop heads on the end of his bow. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of when you see mops now? Are you like, am hey, I sexually kind of, attracted to yeah, them? Yeah, you're like, this kind of looks... Am you... I touching their thighs to see if they have tattoos? <laughs> no, I as I never mop, like I have a small like three by nine tile thing over there that I just set the room before. <laughs> no, I haven't mopped in a, like at least a decade. Mm. Is that why you don't keep mops in the house? Did you specifically <laughs> choose this apartment because it has low mop ability? <laughs> well, I just don't want to tempt myself. Yeah. So, you know, I need to keep mops out of the house. What kind of mop man are you? Are you like a Libman wa- wonder mop man? Are you like the old sponge mop kind? Or are you definitely, you need some like cloth stringy... <laughs> Locks. Oh, yeah. No, like, I'm, like, bucket of dirty water mop, man. <laughs> like, you slop it up, and then you, like, turn the crank to, like, dry it out a little bit. Like, mmm, get it. <laughs> yeah, you a dirty mop? Yeah, you, the floor's oh, clean, but you're dirty. <laughs> oh, I'm going to turn that crank so hard. <laughs> now we know, Matt. It's fine. I'm glad that you decided to... Come clean Open myself this. up to yeah. my mop fetish. No doubt inspired by my exposure to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Use at too young of an age. <laughs> Unintended consequences. You know, this is the kind of responsibility that I don't think movie makers know that they need to be taking into account. Uh, I did like a lot of the time-specific references. Like, I loved it when um, they're watching April O'Neil do the uh, interview about the ooze company mm-hmm. and then Raphael's like hey isn't Oprah on Oprah only stopped airing like seven years ago <laughs> that's not super time specific I know but she was so huge then yeah and I like that Raphael's interested in her show <laughs> yeah you think he's very uh, uh femme forward yeah yeah he's like I want to hear what this woman has to say there's also a Ralph Nader joke in there that I was like what the yeah fuck? who's that for <laughs> the parents who are dragged okay actually i should bring this up i'm not sure if it was this one or the first one that came out in colorado springs on my birthday Mm -hmm. because like i was looking at the release dates both of these came out in march of 90 and 91 respectively and i definitely remember seeing one of these on my birthday the day it came out oh but i don't know if that's a thing was there like 
you know, there's like a, a release. One got a limited release. Yeah. LA and New York only for I, the first two months or well, something. I don't know because this was before like digital and stuff. So like maybe they just didn't make as many prints back then. And so the, like the it March took release while. was for the Cannes Film Festival. <laughs> it did the festival circuit first before uh, hitting wide release. I mean, for the... I'm so sure that I, because I, I have a memory that this was the first movie I saw, whichever one of these it was, the day it came out. So... I don't know. That's weird. But anyway, I dragged my whole family. So it was my brother and my parents who had to sit through wh- whichever one of these movies it was with Your me. Your poor brothers and parents. No. I was just thinking, God, they must have like hated me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I felt really bad for my parents. If it was this one, especially like, yikes. <laughs> God, they must have just like brought their lesson plans and were doing like grading or something. They were both teachers. <laughs> yeah. so. Oh, okay. <laughs> Oh, no, it was summer, so they wouldn't have been. Oh, God, I don't know. <laughs> they had nothing to keep them entertained. Yeah. Ugh. Sorry, Mom and Dad. Uh, so Tonka and Razor, I don't understand why they made new characters for the movie. Like, the comic books and the cartoon had, a, like, a plethora of characters. Where was Bebop and Rocksteady? Which a lot of people say that, like, they were just trying to make something like Bebop and Rocksteady, which makes me think that they were just going for more action figures. They're like, if this movie could make more action figures, that would be great. So instead of doing Bebop and Rocksteady, they're like, well, let's do the exact same thing with two different animals. Because Bebop and Rocksteady were like a Rhino and a warthog. Yeah. And so they're like, oh, Snapping Turtle and Wolf, which also like when... Why make another turtle? (laughs) That bothered me as a kid. What the fuck? Like, why would you do a, a different ch- kind of turtle? As a child, I was always like, why a turtle? Like, why add another turtle into the mix? I mean, do a cat like and a wolf. Like, one's a dog, one's, one's a, a cat. One's a cat. Yeah. Hello? E- even as, like, a five-year-old when this came out, I was like, why another turtle? Also, they're like, these are the most vicious animals we could find. And it's like, they were able to find a wolf, which is weird enough in New York City, but they were also able to find a snapping turtle just somewhere around well, didn't, New York. Didn't they make some reference that you like went to the zoo? Oh, I, I missed that. But which also, like, if you went to the zoo, like, you got a there... lot of options. Yeah. Why not get like a, maybe a bat even or something? Yeah, another turtle. Yeah, another turtle. I even as a child, that was strange I to don't me. Don't understand it. Maybe they were going off of, like, what's an animal that would get stuck in a manhole trying to jump through? Oh, maybe. I feel like they could have written around that. Yeah. <laughs> like, just make them so big in general that they couldn't get through there? Yeah. I mean, it's New York. Your options are limited, but still. I don't know. Seems like short-sighted thinking, like, or you didn't try very hard. Yeah. They do look pretty good, though. I mean, the Jim Henson Creature Shop does a pretty good job in this. This is the same year as The Witches, so they would have been more... <laughs> Will release the same year as the witches, but like, you know, they look pretty good. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's not terrible. Well, I should actually praise it a little bit more than that. Like the the animatronics and the suits and whatnot are fine. I I, I don't want to shit on those because actually for the time and the place they were actually very good. Yeah. So I don't know. It just always bothered me that like those are the most vicious animals. Yeah. Agreed. Bad choice. Yeah. Also, the Shredder is useless in that scene where they're fighting them the first time at the Foot Clan hideout when they get ambushed. Yeah. Uh, the Shredder's just standing there watching them fight the turtles, and yeah. then the turtles escape, and he's just like, oh! <laughs> I mean, the Shredder's largely useless all through this movie. Yeah. I would also argue his final scene when he's Super Shredder is really 
useless. Another moment as a child where I was like, doesn't really do much here. <laughs> and honestly, I feel like it was probably just to get another action figure out of it. It's like, well, um, all the kids still have the original Shredder action figure. If we can come up with some sort of super Shredder for yeah. the sequel, then we can make another action figure. And then they're like, super Shredder. Okay, that's the toy. <sighs> and Which would have been cool if they would have actually fought him. Instead, all he does is knock over pylons and then die. It's a super Shredder. <laughs> I don't know, man. That was a very anticlimactic moment where you're like, oh shit, now they have to fight Super Shredder and nothing happens. Yeah. Also, when Shredder became Super Shredder, why did his clothes also get bigger? Like his helmet got bigger. Maybe it was all natural organic fabric and the (laughs) ooze just works on like organic material. Mm, I don't feel like organic metal stretches and bends. Maybe it does. Maybe it does. I'm not a metalologist. I don't really know the exact properties of this ooze either. (laughs) Maybe it spilled on him like, and on his helmet. Oh, maybe. I mean, the secrets of this ooze were not really revealed to me after watching the movie. I feel like there's still a lot of secrets to it. (laughs) I also feel like they try and sell Tonka and Rezar as like being bad vicious creatures Mm -hmm. but they don't really do much they don't even have like a special move or anything no and it's like when they let them like loose on the city to like cause destruction like they don't really do anything that like a sturdy chainsaw couldn't do yeah like they push over a couple light poles yeah and then that's about it yeah, you'd think one of them would breathe fire or something. Yeah, like, I don't know. There wasn't anything special. It's like, even when the turtles fight them, they try hitting them a couple times, and, like, that's the end of it. And it's like, they hit them, and it doesn't work. And it's like, oh, we're all panicking now. Yeah. But, I don't know. I think it would have been better if, like, one turtle really got the shit kicked out of them, or all four of them, like, really ended up being badly beaten by them. Yeah. Because as it is, like... They punch them once, and they're like, ah, oh, run away, no. run away. <laughs> Yeah, not great. But we are forgetting the scariest part of this movie. <laughs> vanilla Ice. Oh my. I had forgotten, even though even last week you mentioned Vanilla Ice was in this one. And while I was watching it, I forgot that that was happening until they broke through the wall into the Vanilla Ice content. I was like, oh no. Weird choice to have a, a, a climactic battle right next to a rap concert. <laughs> Where is that venue, by the way? Like, they're just at the docks? And there's like a, a a huge concert venue down there. Yeah, I mean, we have a stadium that's sort of close to the water down here, where they also have, you know, the Quest Field Stadium. That's sort of this close was to no water. Quest Field. <laughs> <laughs> this is like having something the size of Numos in like which admittedly deep could be a cool venue. <laughs> Real destination uh, joint. And actually, while I was watching that scene, I was kind of into the idea of a concert that also had mixed martial arts demonstrations <laughs> going on. I was sure. like, that's actually pretty cool. I'd pay some money for that combo. Uh-huh. But uh, fuck, it was hard. I did a lot of squirming. <laughs> so seeing Vanilla Ice brought back a lot of memories and brought back a lot of thoughts. Not because I was a fan of Vanilla Ice, but I did wonder... So Vanilla Ice was like a white 
appropriation of rap culture. Sure. But he's appearing in this movie that's essentially for like six-year-olds. So does that mean that his music was meant for six-year-olds? I mean, I'm going to throw my brother under the bus here. He loved Vanilla Ice, and he was a good like three years older than me. Okay. So when this movie came out, he would have been like, like 13, 14. Okay. So I don't know. Maybe at that point he'd grown out of it, but just, it was embarrassing. He almost like strikes me as more of a um, Britney Spears type entertainer where oh. he's like, he's not really like hardcore rapper. I did check the writing credits and he did, a, or he has at least a writing credit for the ninja rap. Okay. Ninja, ninja. Do you think he came up with that part? He's got the writing credit on it. No one else's name is on it. So it's hard to say there, but I don't know. Watching this now and like watching him rap before he goes in the ninja rap and he's got that stupid suit on and he's got that bullshit haircut. He keeps doing the same dance move over and over again. And he's got those backup dancers and he's not even rapping very well. All of a sudden I got super embarrassed for myself. Like <laughs> even though I wouldn't say... I mean, maybe my my mom will debate this, but like, I don't ever actually remember being a Vanilla Ice fan. Mm-hmm. So to me, like, the fact that I feel embarrassed by watching this just makes me feel embarrassed for this period of time mm-hmm. and just like what we allowed to be popular. I mean, this is the same year as Adam's Family, and they had that horrible MC, MC Hammer, Hammer song. I mean, yeah. like, this is just an example of you know movie industry people being like synergy you know like let's throw as many things into the pot that can all maybe bubble up together but the adams family and the mc hammer thing those don't seem to mesh for me because one's supposed to be macabre and the other's supposed to be mainstream like those two things going together doesn't make sense the vanilla ice and ninja turtles like they're both mainstream powerhouses aiming for the same demo maybe yeah like hitting on teenage years we'll say okay like i can kind of see why you'd think that'd be good synergy like if i was in a boardroom and like vanilla ice is good with kids 11 to 15 and teenage mutant ninja turtles is good with kids ages 6 to 13 or something like that if we bring this together that'll be crossover into these two big demographics that just spend money on toys and cassettes the little brother is going to bring in the family to watch this, and this will be something for the older brother. Yeah. So part of my brain kind of like understands why Vanilla Eyes would be attached to something as big as this. Yeah. But I watch it now. I'm like, oh, this is terrible. Oh, this is terrible. What do you think Vanilla Ice is thinking? He's probably thinking, how soon can I cash this check? <laughs> yeah. How many zeros is going to be in my check? Just like... No cred. No. He must not have ever had cred because he must have just always been this thing that was shoved down our throats and said, like, this is entertainment. He must have been the first white guy to rap and some record exec was like, that guy, we need that guy. I don't know. Rob Van Winkle, if you want to chime in, tell us your story because I don't want to read it. (laughs) You want to go back to that Ralph Nader joke? What was that Ralph Nader joke? You know, these nets are remarkably effective. Very well constructed. Yeah. Remind me to draw the line to Ralph Nader. Ralph Nader is why we have seatbelts in cars. Right. So I'm assuming it was in some sort of reference to that. 
I thought it was because he was like the Green Party guy, and there was something about like they got caught in a net, and so they're like, you know, environmental turtles, nets, something like that. I thought it was in like a reference to seatbelts and harnesses and like things mm. to like keep you contained in one spot. Okay. Maybe sure. maybe there's another thing out there. I mean, it's weird to think now, but like Ralph Nader like ran for president ten years after this movie, and that was twenty years ago. Yeah, and he's still alive. But yeah, I thought it was something to do with like his seatbelt safety stuff. But maybe it had other things to do with his, you know, tort crusade. Okay. I mean, I think that it's weird that they had that joke in there. It's obviously for the parents. No kids is going to know what's going on. But, like, they also threw in a Casablanca joke. Well, the lives of two people don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world, Elsa. That's why you're getting on that plane. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow. Both of those jokes came from Michelangelo. Yeah. And it's like, Michelangelo is not the one who should be cracking jokes like that. He's supposed to be the young, like, crazy wild one. Why is he the one cracking jokes for the old people? I don't want to compare this too much to the original, but uh, in the original, Michelangelo was, like, the master impersonator. Mm-hmm. Like, he did, like, a couple different celebrity impersonations. Were they any good? And he was, like, James Cagney, and I don't remember what the other one was. And so I think that's, like, he was just doing a Humphrey Bogart impersonation oh. rather than a Casablanca joke. Okay. Hmm. If that helps A lot of all. kids are going to get that one. Well, you know, I'm sure I didn't get any of those impersonation jokes <laughs> for watching them both this time around. One of my main problems with this movie was that, like, it's not about anything. It doesn't even entertain well. Like, No, there's no real character arc in this. Anytime it seems like it's going to be about something, it's not. Like I said before, it seems like Raphael's going to come to this realization that like, oh, teamwork's better than going off on your own, but that doesn't really happen. At one point, it seems like they're going to make it about gangs and like not joining a gang, like Kino was going to join the foot or something like that. But then like that fizzles out really fast. Like it's just not about anything. And it just, it feels so kind of hokey and thrown together. Yeah. And empty. When they have, like, the doctor, like, dancing to the ninja rap at the end. I was like, oh, God, are we really (laughs) going through all this? Oh, this is bad! The dance just went on for so long. (laughs) That whole vanilla ice thing was way too long. And, yeah, there's just a lot of problems because it just... There's no character arc. Like, the turtles aren't more mature or wiser by the end of the movie they you know there's no moral or lesson that was learned their banter is insufferable whoa primo uh, workout dudes yeah wow we showed those guys uh, uh, primo bros yeah. turtle rebecca max amundo <laughs> acapella huh? huh i gotta ask all right uh in your merry fuck kill scenario <laughs> teen witch rock and roll secret of the use oh I mean, yuck. I don't want to marry any of those. I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm just going to kill Teen Witch. Like, I never want to see that again. Okay. It was too much. I remember, like, you weren't hating on Teen Witch too hard, but then you went into the editing room, and, like, when you came on, you're like, never again while I watched that movie. (laughs) I guess I would probably... I'll fuck this movie. Everyone's tone because they do martial arts. You <laughs> okay, know, that's, that'd okay. be fun. Get it over with and then bye. And I guess I'd marry rock and roll because at least there's music in that one. 
That's not vanilla ice. <laughs> I feel like I'd fuck Teen Witch because there is the one hot guy in that. The 30-year-old? Yeah. That's right. He's yeah. my age. <laughs> and definitely kill rock and roll, which is because that, that of this whole podcast, that is my least favorite movie that I've had to watch. <laughs> By default, that means I have to marry this movie, which, I don't know, at least I'll be well fed. Yeah, I mean, pizza's delicious. Yeah. But, uh... <sighs> I don't know. It was this was a difficult watch for me, <laughs> and I loved Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, I did too. I had lots and lots of action figures. I definitely looked them up. And actually, I mean, watching it this time, there was a lot of uh, the same feelings that came out because I remember the like empty sadness that came from watching this as a kid, and the subsequent watches I had watching it. Oh, really? Yeah, just because the Super Shredder ending is stupid. Mm-hmm. There's just nothing that happens to any of our characters that's worth you know caring about mm-hmm. and bebop and rocksteady were replaced by toke one and brazier <laughs> so i'm just like who cares who gives a fuck like, it just made me feel so sad and disappointed <laughs> We've had tougher. We've had tougher, maybe, to me. It's okay. I I mean, it was part of my childhood, too. So this is just some of the stuff that we used to watch. I know. That, so this is, I don't know if we mentioned this at the top of the show, but this is uh, in our continuing exploration of movies that shaped our childhood, a la Large Marge Sent Us. Right. Have they done an episode on this? You know, I didn't look it up. I forgot to check, too. Let's look right now. Okay. Hold, please. Looks like they don't. Oh, that's good, because I was looking through. I was like, they have Beetlejuice, they have Tremors, and yeah, I was like, oh, shoot, am I not going to be able to pick one that they haven't already done? They're roughly our age, so it's like they've explored this terrain of movies much further than we have. Yeah, this also feels like a boy movie. Were girls into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? I feel like it's very much, because like, all you got is April as your role model, if you're a girl. Yeah. It's sort of like Princess Leia and Star Wars. It's like, that's your one choice. Yeah. I don't know. I wasn't friends with a lot of girls growing up, so I couldn't tell you whether or not they also liked. You know, looking back on it, I think I was, that was definitely something I, I shared with my boyfriends more than my girlfriends. And I had a lot of girlfriends growing up. Okay. But they just weren't really into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, there's nothing that really there for them. Mm-mm, that's a boy thing. Yeah. Well, we watched it for you, ladies, <laughs> so you don't have to. Okay, should we plug our junk? Get the fuck out. Oh, no, we got to find out what we're going to watch next week. We sure do. Well, Matt, I'm hopping on the train. I think we should watch a movie that helped shape my childhood. And I do know that the Dumas sisters, a.k.a. the Sweeties at the Large March Sanders podcast, do have an episode on this one. And I'm going to choose the Flight of the Navigator. Oh, I haven't seen that one. It is probably after The Fifth Element and The Brave Little Toaster, the movie I've seen the most in my life. <laughs> really? I've watched th- I've watched it so many times. Oh, okay. Have you watched it as an adult? No. Oh. I'm very worried. How many years would you say? It's been a good 20 years since I've seen this okay. movie. Okay, okay, okay. Maybe even 30. Wow. Yeah, I haven't seen this in a long time. Well, the last time you watched this movie, I could have been three years old. It's possible. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Let's plug our junk. Get the fuck out of here. Sounds good.
Follow us on Twitter at X Rated Movies. We're tweeting to the beat. Follow us on Facebook at Rated X Movies. We're Facebooking like we're home cooking. And of course, find us wherever you get your podcast uh, Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts, anywhere, really. Yeah, Google Play. Leave us some love on there, too. We love it when people give us reviews and stars. We love it when people leave us love. It, it spreads the word about our podcast, and we love it when we get new listeners. Mm-hmm. And if you need to contact us, need x.rated.movies at gmail.com. Uh, did we get everything? I think that's Hit it. all of our bases? Yep. All right, we'll see you next week with Flight of the Navigator. Until then, cowabunga, dude. (laughs)